Hello, and welcome to the teaching ministry of Impact Family Church. For more information, including service times and directions, or to find out more about us, you can visit our website at www.impactfamilychurch.com. We trust you'll be blessed by today's message. Well, Romans 12 and uh, verse number two says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. The renewing of your mind will transform you. In fact, the renewing of your mind has already transformed you. But there's more transformation coming. We all need further transformation, don't we? Because the Bible talks about going from glory to glory and being and continually being made conformable to the image of Christ. Well, it takes the renewing of the mind to get there. And he also went on to say that by the renewing of your mind, then you will be able to discern what is the good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. We all want to come to the place where we move out of just the good will of God and out of just the acceptable will of God to get into his perfect will for our lives. That comes about by the renewing of the mind. Amen? And so go with me over to, uh, we're just looking at some of our foundational scriptures. Go over to Isaiah 55. We looked at this and we'll just make a comment on it and refresh our memory. Of course, if, to get the most out of what's being said today, it'd be helpful to be here the other services. But if you weren't here, you can go back online and, and listen to these. In Isaiah 55, in verse number eight, he said, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, said the Lord. Now, when he said that, this, doesn't, this isn't the way it's supposed to be. He was re- actually rebuking them when he said this. He said, your, your thoughts are not, for my thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are your ways my ways, said the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. He's, what he's saying is, if, if but the reason you live life down here on this level is because you haven't thought his thoughts. If you'll think his thoughts, then you can walk in his ways. Now, that doesn't mean you're going to be God. There's nothing like that going on. But he's saying that you, as a, as a, as a mere uh, human being, can be exalted in your life to where you can walk and live in a plane and on a level where you communicate with God and his ways become your ways. Or, 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 or more accurately, your ways become his ways. Because you change your ways to conform to his ways. And he says his ways are higher, amen? And it's good for us to, to, to recognize that he, his ways are higher. His thoughts are higher. He is smarter after all. He is the creator after all. He is the one who upholds all things, amen? So, uh, so everything that, that exists is held together by the power of God. That's somebody we want to get acquainted with. That's somebody we want to find out how he operates, how he thinks, how he behaves. Amen. Because we, we don't want to be living contrary to the, to the principles of the, of the one that's making everything stay together. That's why some people's lives are falling apart. 
It's because they're refusing to obey the one who gave direction about how everything's supposed to work. Amen. Praise the Lord. So go over with me then to, uh, to James, first chapter of James. Praise the Lord. In verse 21, it says, Therefore lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. We pointed out that he was writing here to born-again, spirit-filled believers so they were saved in the sense of, of uh, having become a child, child of God. They had made Jesus the Lord of their lives. They had been born again. But the new birth isn't technically the saving of the soul. The new birth is the saving of the spirit. We are a spirit, but we possess a soul. And our spirit and soul are housed inside our physical body. Well, the three are, are three separate things. Most people, erroneously, if you ask them, if you, you probably wouldn't have this conversation, but if you did, well, you know, what's the difference in soul and spirit? Most preachers will tell you, oh, uh, well, I think they're the same. They're just different words for the same thing. Well, they're not the same thing. Paul said, I pray that your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blank. Well, if the spirit, it, it, it would be just as accurate to say that the, the body and the spirit are the same as to say the soul and the spirit are the same. I mean, it would make just as much sense. No, we, it's easy for us to relate to the physical realm because our bodies, with our bodies, we contact this physical realm. That's easy to see. But there are two other realms. There's not just one other realm, there are two other realms. That with our spirits, this is easy to see, with our spirits, our inward man, the person that was born again and made, and made a new creation in Christ, with our spirit man, we contact, contact the spirit realm. And God is a spirit. Holy Spirit is a spirit. So we contact the spirit realm with our spirit. But there's another realm. And it's a very real realm. But it, it, it has to be kept subjected to the spirit realm and that's the realm of our minds. I mean, you can be right here in church this morning physically and you can be in fellowship with the Lord spiritually and be born again and you can be thinking about something going on on a golf cart, on, on a golf course yesterday. How you chipped that shot. <laughs> right? I mean, you're, you can be sitting here in service and your mind can be somewhere else. And, and, it's, and it's, uh, it, it's a very... Uh, uh, it, it's a very real, it's not, it's not real in the sense of physical, but it's very captivating. I mean, it, it, you're, in your thought life, it, you can take you into all kinds of things and get you in trouble or it can help you. Well, that's the soulish realm. And he talked to the, to the Christians here at, at, James did, and he said that, that if you'll receive with humble humility, and meekness, the implanted word, it is able to save your mind, save your soul, save that part of man that we have to do something with. Notice in, in Romans chapter 4 that he talked about to, to the church there at Rome. He said, you need to present your bodies a living sacrifice and you need to renew your mind. 
We have to do something with our bodies and we have to do something with our minds. Amen. But the, but the point here in James is be humble about it. Humble yourself enough to acknowledge that God's ways are higher than your ways. His thoughts are higher than your thoughts. And make it, a, 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 you, you humble yourself to do that. And you humbly say, now with your help, I'm going to get into your thoughts. These are God's thoughts. God's thoughts are recorded right here in the Bible. Uh, uh, Moses said, the things that are revealed are for us so that we can do it. He said, the secret things belong to the Lord. There are some things we don't know. And some things he hasn't, he hasn't chosen to tell us. He said, the secret things belong to the Lord. But the things which are revealed, be right here, belong to us and to our children forever that we might do what is written therein and walk in the light of it. Well, you, you humble your enough, yourself enough to say, Father, your ways are better than mine, higher than mine. And so I'm going, to, I'm going to make it my life's quest to learn your ways, your thoughts, and pattern my life after your thoughts and your ways so that I can get up above the natural realm and walk in a way that's pleasing to you. That's humility. Amen. To sit in church and just let it go through one ear and out the other is not humility. To sit in church and say, well, I don't know about that pastor. I don't know about that preacher. You know, I, I've always looked at it this way. That's not being humble. And it's not me. If, if I'm saying that something that's contrary to the word, you have every right to do that. But when I'm talking to you right out of the word of God, it, it's, 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 it's arrogance to say, well, you know, that's just not the way I believe it. <laughs> I, 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 I talked to a, a guy one time in prison. I wasn't in prison, but <laughs> he was in prison and I was visiting him. I was doing prison ministry and I was going from cell to cell to cell. And these were, this was over at Rayford in, uh, in maximum security and there were some people in those, in those cages that you, you were conscious, oh, thank God you're in that cage. <laughs> because, I mean, they paced the floor. They had scars. All they had. One fellow, I just remember, there were others like this. He had a big scar from ear to ear where somebody had cut his throat. And he was just a, just a gnarly animal-looking guy. He just paced back. And he never said a word. He just paced back in his cell like this. He was just so full of the devil. And, and I never did talk to him because he just, he wouldn't even communicate with you. But there are other people that would try to con you. A lot of cons going on in, in, in prison. And, and I won't get into all that. But anyway, I'd start witnessing to him. And this one man, I, I just remember this in, in distinctly. He was telling me how, uh, how much he hated God. And how much he was just, he just hated God. He didn't want anybody to talk to him about God. He blamed God for all of his problems and, and, and everything in life was God's fault and he just hated God. And, and I came away from that thinking, what a fool. Look at where, you've, where this has gotten you. You're in prison probably for life and yet you're so arrogant that you want to shake your fist at God and say, I'll have none of you in my life. I, how, how stupid is that? 
Well, you know, to, in, in, a, in a same way, in a similar way, it, it's, it's about as ridiculous to come to church and hear the word and go, well, I don't know that I want to believe that. You know, that's just not the way I like it. <laughs> when I was growing up, <laughs> it wasn't whether I liked it or not is what daddy said. Amen. Well, we, 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 we gave submission to our earthly fathers, Hebrews said. How much more should we be submitted to our, the father of spirits and live? Well, praise the Lord. Humble yourself. Amen. Humble yourself before the word of God. And he said in Romans here, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Well, how exactly do you go about that? What is the process of renewing your mind? The number one step in renewing your mind is to meditate in the thoughts of God. Meditate in the word of God. Now, when, I, when I'm talking about meditation, I'm not talking about the meditation that uh, people of Eastern religions like Buddhists and different ones have, have a, a, a type of meditation. And most of the time, Westerners, when they think of meditation, that's what they think of. But the meditation, meditation that's practiced by these groups is, is a perversion of God's plan for meditation. In, go with me to Joshua chapter 1. Joshua chapter 1. Now, put yourself in Joshua's shoes. Moses, there, had, there has never been a prophet like Moses, other than the Lord Jesus Christ, of course, who knew God face to face. I mean, Moses, Moses had a, a, a access to the presence of God in a phenomenal way. He would come back down off the mountain and he would glow like Jesus did. He'd just be all lit up from the presence of God. And he led the children of Israel with mighty signs and wonders. I mean, this is the man that, that, that stood up before the Red Sea and raised his rod and the seas parted open. And then he, he, he left, went somewhere. They didn't know where he went. He just went up the mountains and didn't come down. There's still some, some controversy as to what happened to him. But the Lord then spoke to Joshua and said, Moses is gone. Now I want you to take his place. How would you like that assignment? He says, as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. Now here's how you do it. This, this is, is, is Joshua chapter one, verse number eight. This book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it, for then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. So meditation, it, biblical meditation, is not the same thing as these far uh, uh, Eastern religions. Like I said, they took meditation and perverted it because the meditation that they practice, they're, not, they're trying to empty their mind. They take a word or a sound and they just kind of focus on that and, and they just try to get to a place where, where their mind is just empty. Well, you do that, you open yourself up to devils, demons. It's exactly what happens. 
That's not Christian. That's not biblical meditation. Biblical meditation is described right here. He said, he said, this book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night. Meditate in it. Meditate in it. Meditate in the word. Now, in the Old Testament, of course, it was the law. The New Testament, we have the New, we, we have the New Testament to meditate in. But the principle is the same. Day and night, we are to meditate in the Word of God. That means to take the Word of God and not just read it, but reflect on it. Now, I'm all in favor of reading the Bible, read it through, you know, the entire Bible and reading the New Testament. I'm, I'm all in favor of that. But if you have to choose, it's far more important to take one verse or a couple of verses or a short passage and meditate on that for, for a, a length of time rather than spending your time just reading through the Bible and not really thinking about what you're reading or just thinking lightly about it. Meditation is taking the word of God and, and reading a scripture, a verse, or a couple of verses and stopping and thinking about that and, and pondering, how does that apply to me? What is God saying to me? Let the Holy Spirit speak to you out of that word and draw revelation and life and inspiration from that word and let that word affect how you operate the rest of the day. Let it direct your paths. And another component of, of uh, meditation, he said, this book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth. Biblical meditation is, is taking the scripture, like I said, a portion of scripture, and not just reading it, but saying it to yourself, muttering it to yourself. In other words, speaking it out of your mouth, actually taking and saying the words and thinking of, it's not, there's no magic in saying it. It's thinking about what you're saying. Now, God's word is full of power. It's not full of magic. It's full of power. But what I'm saying, there's not any hocus pocus, you know, stuff going on by, by saying the word of God. There is a truth of confession, but that comes out of faith in God. But this is muttering the word, speaking it to yourself, letting your ears hear you say the word of God and reflecting on what it means and how it changes your life, how it impacts your life. That's meditation. I heard somebody say this one time and I absolutely agree with it. This person said the most deeply spiritual men and women he, know, he knew, and I would say the same thing, are, are those who take time to meditate in the word of God. The most deeply spiritual people you'll ever meet will, are people who will actually take the time, they actually do this, to meditate in the word of God. You ought to meditate in the word of God a, a little bit every day. Every day. Now, I can't honestly say that, that I don't miss a day every now and then. But not as, a, not as a rule. As a rule, every day. Now, every now and then, I, you know, something happens and I get distracted early in the day. And, and the day just, have you ever had the day just take off and leave you behind almost, you know? Uh, so I'm saying, you know, th those things happen. But not on a regular basis. I make it a point Every day to spend time meditating in the word of God. Not just, just, not just wholesale reading, but taking the, the word of God, the things that God, uh, things he's dealing with me about. And take time to feed on that word and meditate it. Amen. Now notice what he said. He said, for then 
you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. You will, you will make your way prosperous. Well, if God, if when God prospers me, then I'll be prosperous. No, he didn't say God would prosper you. He said you would make your way prosperous. Whether you accept it or not, whether you're prosperous or not, is not up to God. It's not, it's not uh, a result of what God decided. It's what you decided. He said, if you'll feed on the word of God and meditate on it, think about it, ponder it, speak it, wisdom will, be, will, will come to you and you will change the direction of your life and you will make your way prosperous. The truth of the, of the matter is nobody can make your way prosperous but you. We're not talking about get rich schemes, you know, get rich quick schemes, anything like that. We're talking about the long haul. We're talking about a consecrated, dedicated life where you put the word of God first and you will make your way prosperous. My wife and I have seen this. We've seen it. No one can do this for you but you. Well, praise the Lord. And he said, then you will have good success. Then you will have good success. The uh, New Century Version says, you will then be wise and successful in everything. Whew. You will be wise and successful in everything. Is that available? Is that, is that even attainable? To be wise and successful in everything? Well, evidently it is because that's what he said. He said, you will make your way successful. You, you, you will, you will uh, be successful. Hallelujah. Amen. You simply cannot develop spiritual wisdom without practicing biblical meditation. This can't, can't be done. Notice what he said here too. He said, this book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night just so that you can fill your time and be consecrated. No, that you may observe, that you may observe. Some translations say, so that you will be careful to do. See, meditating in the word of God will make you careful about what you do and what you say and how you act and what you believe. He said, if you'll meditate in the word so that you will be careful, so that you will be, uh, so that you'll see and understand. To do, (laughs) to do. See, meditation will lead to decisions. What are you gonna do? Now that you see more, now that more light has come, now that more understanding has come, and that's what will happen as you meditate, you will begin to draw understanding and wisdom from those scriptures. But now, rut row, you're faced with a choice because it's likely going to mean changing the way you do some things, changing how you talk, 
changing how you behave, changing some of your uh, philosophies, some of your ideas, some of your the things that motivate you. You'll be you'll be you'll be brought to a place of of, of making a choice. He said, "Meditate in it that you may observe. Be careful to do all that is written in it." Is that what that said? To do according to all that is written in it. Well, pastor, that's a, that's a tall order to do all that's written in it. Yeah, I know it. But after all, they are, they are his ways and his thoughts. Amen. I've noticed this when I get revelation, when I receive enlightenment from the word of God, when I've meditated on the word of God and I see something that I haven't seen before, and often it exposes something I'm doing wrong. A way of thinking that's wrong or a way of, of, of doing or practicing something that that's, that's not, doesn't really line up with the word. But you see, I, I've, I'm committed to those ways. I've, 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 I've already committed myself. I've got a, a life maybe that's built on doing it one way. If I try to brush that aside... Let me find something else to meditate in. Let me find a, let me find a scripture that, that, I, that, that won't give me so much trouble. I've found when I do that, the light goes out. The Lord doesn't continue to talk to him about these other things until I go back to the last place I had light and revelation and do what I saw to do. That's when I begin again to make my way prosperous. That's when, again, I begin to, to have success, deal wisely, have wisdom and success in everything. Well, praise the Lord. Oh, glory to God. Hallelujah. So that takes us back to James chapter 1 again. We stopped reading at one place, but what did he say over there in, in uh, Joshua. That you may observe, be careful to do. It's all about the doing. It, once you, the, the meditation is, is the preliminary. Meditation is what you do in order to get revelation. But then you need to do it. Then you need to act on it. Amen. So back in James chapter 1 again. He said, receive with meekness, humility, the implanted word which is able to save your souls, to renew your mind, you might add or say, but be doers of the word and not hearers only. We have a lot of agreeers with the word. <laughs> we have a lot of, of rejoicers over the word. We have a lot of amenners about the word. Amen, pastor. That's right. You preach it. Praise God. Amen. Glory to God. We don't have nearly as many actual doers of the word. Well, it got quiet in here a little bit. Steve didn't want to let on that it hit him. In, 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 you know, so he said, amen. That's right. That's right. Praise the Lord. Get on the front row. You get picked on. You guys aren't safe either. <laughs> No, a lot of people will agree with the Bible and they'll nod their head and say amen. But going home and actually practicing it is far less common. I heard 
I heard about, you know, how many of you remember way back a sermon I preached way back about the birds? Does anybody remember the bird sermon? You guys don't remember that? Doug and Lori? Leslie, you remember that? I, it's too much to go into, but I, I, I got a sermon from somebody else. And I thought I'd preach it. And it was the bird sermon. It was a total disaster. And uh, because it wasn't me. I tried to preach somebody else's message. But anyway, this, this sermon was about different kinds of birds and how different church members are like those birds. Like they're, they're the buzzards, you know. There are people in church and all they're just looking for something to die. So they can scoop down. And, and then, you know, there, there are... Uh, there are, there are the owls. And the owls, they're just, all they want to say is, who, 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 who did what? What did the pastor do? What did the deacons do? What did this person do? Who, who, who? And, and different kinds of birds. And of course, the eagle was the one everybody wants to be, right? So it was a terrible message. <laughs> Can you imagine? Angela said, amen, it was. I'll never forget it. But then uh, in, in connection with that, I heard this about owls. That owls, this one man had, had, had some owls that uh, he had taken from, from birth and had kind of raised them. He fed them. So every morning, these owls, and he said, they got up to be you know, like 14 inches tall. They were big, you know. They would come and, 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 and sit outside. And he had these little bowls. And he said there were, I forget how many uh, owls there were, maybe three owls. But he had three separate bowls, and they wouldn't eat out of anybody's. They wouldn't eat out of the other person's bowl, the other owl's bowl. They they had to eat out of their own bowl. And he said they would sit there on the porch until he fed them, and they just kind of look around, like you know, even turn their heads all around. And they would just do like this. He said once they he fed them, he said they'd sit there and go. And just look from one side to another. It's like a lot of church members. In church, they're yes, amen, that's right. They're saying they go home, it's no, 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 not going to do it. <laughs> Be doers of the word. The word of God will not profit you simply by meditating in it and even confessing it if you don't actually do it. It's, it's I don't know, I, I guess I grew up reading the King James and so I never really, it never really occurred to me how awkward or how unusual uh, in modern English the phrase is, but be, uh, but be doers of the word. You wouldn't talk that way normally. I mean, that's a strange way to be doers of the word. Because we're, it's, it's, it's not just doing the word, be a doer. See, I don't, I don't do this very often but occasionally I will paint. The reason I don't paint very often is I don't like to paint and I'm also not very good at it because I'm too slow. So Angela can paint circles around me and so can Pastor Greg. I'm just not a good painter, but I do paint occasionally, but I'm not a painter. There's a difference in what I do and being a painter. Well, this, it, it, some people will do some things that the Bible says, but the majority of th- things the Bible says do, they won't do. They're not doers of the word. He said, but be doers of the word. 
Now think, just think about it for a minute, how, how, unusually, how unusual that sounds in our modern uh, vernacular. Be a doer of the word. I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't imagine we would have that expression about anything else. Be a doer of exercise. Have you ever heard anybody say anything like that? We're, oh, but we are to be doers of the word. He said, be a doer of the word and not hearers only. Don't, be, don't just hear the word. He, he went on to say, do not be, be a doer of the word and not only a hearer, deceiving yourselves. People who sit in church and hear the word and, and you hear the word brought to you and the Spirit of God shows you what it says and you agree with it, but then you don't go out and do it. You deceive yourself into believing that you are being blessed. Because after all, I go to a word church. I go to a word of faith church. And we know what the word says about our redemption. We know what the word says. I know what the Bible says about healing. I know what the Bible says about prosperity. Yeah, but are you doing it? Are you actually practicing the word when you leave here? If you don't practice it, like he said, you deceive yourself into thinking you're somebody you're not. He went on here, James went on to say about a man who looks into the, into the perfect law of liberty. That's a, another uh, 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 title he has for the word. He who looks into the perfect law of liberty and goes his way and forgets what he has seen. He said he's like a man that looks at his, at his image in a mirror and turns away and forgets what he looked like. Well, in the natural, we have an idea of what we look like. But it's not the way everybody else sees us. Amen. That's true, naturally. We look in the mirror, but then we go our way. I have a better image of what my wife looks like than I do what I look like because I see her all the time. Well, the only way to really have an image of yourself, and I don't recommend this narcissism, but the only way to have an accurate image of yourself would be to look look at your image as much as you look at everybody else. Well, you can't do that in the natural, but you're supposed to do that in the spirit. We're supposed to look at ourselves in the light of the word of God. And, and if, we, if we don't practice the word, we lose sight of what the word says. We have it stored up here, but we, but we lose the revelation of it. And we walk on thinking we are fully armed to meet the devil and we're not. It's like, oh yeah, I, I, I'm not going to be sick. Boom. <laughs> Next day you know you're sick. Yeah, but I don't believe in this. Yeah, but have you been practicing the word? Have you been meditating in the word? Have you been speaking the word? Well, praise the Lord. 
It matters. It matters what we do. Many people say they believe the word, but their actions show otherwise. Go to Titus chapter 1. Go back to Titus. Titus chapter 1. Now, Paul was talking about something different here, but, but there's a principle that applies. In Titus chapter 1, verse 16, it said, They profess to know God, but in works they deny him, being abominable, disobedient, and disqualified, disqualified for every good, good work. So he's talking about people who live ungodly lives, okay? So that, that's not what I'm talking about here. But this, this, this principle is still true. They profess to know God, but in works, in lifestyle and actions, they deny him. See, it's, it's one thing to say you believe the Bible. It's another thing to act like it's true. A lot of people say they believe, but their actions say, say otherwise. Well, those people aren't blessed. They're, they get deceived. Well, praise the Lord. Isn't this fun? Glory to God. Amen. Well, praise the Lord. I, <laughs> I know you think I'm funny. I actually intended to go through this entire message today. I did. I always plan on doing that. <laughs> Maybe if I do this another 40 years, I'll get this figured out. Praise God. Hallelujah. Go with, go with me to Philippians 4, and I'll just give you a preview, and then we'll, we'll, we'll break real quick here. Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4. Finally, brethren, I'll go back. I'll start to read verse 8. Go back to verse 6. Be anxious for nothing. The Amplified Bible, if I remember correctly, it says, Do not be anxious, or do not fret, or have any anxiety about anything. Do not fret, or have any anxiety about anything. And Kenneth Wiest, in his commentary, he's a very uh, eminent Greek scholar. He said, it literally means, do not fret or have any anxiety about not even one thing. It's that emphatic. Don't, not even about one thing. How can you live that way? Well, that's just impossible. No, not if God said to do it. God would not require you or tell you to do something you couldn't do. And I'm talking to me too. He would not tell us to do something we can't do. He clearly said, do not fret or be anxious about not even one thing. But in everything, with prayer and thanksgiving, prayer, supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Well, when, when worry and anxiety, listen, worry and anxiety 
presents itself to all of us. All of us. All of us. Anxiety will present itself. But what are you going to do? You, what, we're, what we're told to do is to not even be anxious or fret about not even one thing. Then he said, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving let your request be known to, known to God. We have the rest of that down. We have the rest of that down. Prayer, supplication, with thanksgiving, let not request be back. But you know what? If you're anxious and fretting about it, you've wasted your prayer. All of that prayer, all of that supplication, all of that thanksgiving, all of that letting your request be made known, all of that's a waste of time if you're doing it and still fretting about it. I heard this one time, some, some ignorant country person, I guess, was quoting, was quoted, and they said, a scared prayer ain't no account. If you're worried, if you're anxious, if you're all troubled about something, you aren't ready to go to the Lord in prayer. Take your burdens to the Lord and leave them. He don't want your burdens. He said, once and for all, not not every time, because we ought to do this as a lifestyle. Once and for all, 1 Peter, cast all your trouble, put all your care, all your anxiety, once and for all on him. And once you do that, then you live a lifestyle. When things come up, just, I'm just not going to be troubled about it. I'm just not going to be fretful. I'm not going to be anxious. I'm, I didn't say this was necessarily easy. But it's a matter of being a doer of the word. For some reason, uh, it came naturally to me. I, I don't know, people's personalities are different. It came naturally to me when I was younger just to not worry about anything. My wife, when we got married, she would, she would fret and, and, and worry about things. And I just wouldn't worry about anything. As I matured, I realized a lot of that was just irresponsibility. (laughs) So I had to learn from the Bible. This wasn't a natural trait because that natural not being concerned about anything was just like I said, it was just being irresponsible. He's not talking about irresponsible. He's talking about making a decision. I had to learn to practice not being anxious. And, and fret and worried about things. When I had cancer, I would lay it awake at night because I couldn't sleep. My mind was just bombarding me with thoughts, you know, of, of my uh, uh, imminent demise, you know. And I would, I would lay in bed. In fact, I had to move out of the bedroom because Angela couldn't sleep. Because I had to do this hours on end. I would lay in bed at night and just laugh. Now, I'm not talking about a belly laugh. I'm not talking about I felt like laughing or I thought something was funny. Just to keep my mind from worrying and fretting. I would just lay in bed and go, ha, ha, ha. It was about that energetic too. Ha, 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 ha. Ha, 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 ha. Ha, ha. I'm laughing at you, devil. Ha, ha, ha. You said I'm going to die. I'm not going to die. Ha, 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 ha. 
And then I would praise God for a while, and then I'd laugh at the devil for a while. And then I'd praise God for a while, and then I'd laugh at the devil for a while. And then I'd praise God for a while, and then I'd laugh at the devil for a while. And then I'd pray. This went on for a long time. A lot longer than you want to listen to. <laughs> Hours. Night after night. Because I knew that if I fretted, I knew that if I was anxious, I knew that if I let worry get into me, it would stop the word of God that I had to have working for me. Well, praise the Lord. He said, do not. See, this is being a doer of the word. But he who's do, uh, the doers of the word will be blessed in their doing. I'm telling you, it pays rich dividends. It pays off. It pays off. It, when I was doing that, it didn't feel like it was paying off. I couldn't tell. I, I didn't have a sense of, ooh, I feel the anointing. Mm, this is working. Ooh, I'm, I, ooh, I know this. I didn't feel any of that. And, and my mind questioned, is this doing any good? But I had meditated in the word of God enough to know this is my responsibility. This is my part. This is what I have to do. And I just did it without any feeling, without any goosebumps or a rush of, of euphoria or anything. I just did it. It works. I said it works. It works. It works. It works. It works. It pays off. Praise God. At Impact Family Church, it is our desire to see you blessed through the power of the Word of God. We have been helping people to change their world for over 25 years through our dynamic ministries and teaching. If you are going to be in the North Central Florida area and are interested in attending our services or just want more information about us, you can visit us online at www.impactfamilychurch.com.